We thank you for listening to the weekly sermon of First United Methodist Church, Missouri City, Texas. We're a church that's making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. For more information about the church and its ministries or how we can pray for you, visit us on the web at fumcmc.org. If you desire to make a quick contribution in support of our ministries, you can text to give. Simply text the amount you want to give to 281-369-4870 and follow the instructions. And now, as you listen, we hope that you find this podcast meaningful and transformational in your journey of faith. Go ahead, have a seat. You're kind of on my time now. So, um... How many of you have been to uh, Virginia? Virginia, raise your hand. Yeah, okay, good. Last year, Jill and I went to Virginia. Uh, Our goal, our reason for going was to um, do a 100-mile bike ride. We had done a 100-mile bike ride at Tahoe, um, but if you've ever been to Lake Tahoe, you, you know it's like really hilly, like really, really brutally it just is God's joke on those of us who wanted to ride 100 miles to do that. So we wanted to do another 100 mile ride. And my rule was it had to be non-hilly. It had to be flat. And, and so I'm, I'm Googling 100 mile flat non-hilly rides, right? And this one in Virginia comes up and it was along the coast, which is a good sign because on the East Coast, it's flat flat, flat. And they said it was flat. I looked on the elevation map and I think the elevation difference was like a hundred feet throughout the whole hundred miles. I'm thinking I can do this, right? So we load up the bikes on the Jeep. We drive, um, we, we make it a long road trip. We get to Virginia. It is like 50 mile power winds and rainy and cold and gross. And we said, we said, not only will I not ride on hills again, I'm not riding against 50 mile power winds for 100 miles. It's not happening. So we didn't do that, right? And so we, we had the bikes and we felt like we needed to do another ride. So there was this really good ride in Virginia. It's called the Capital to Capital Ride. It goes from Jamestown, which is the old capital, to Richmond, which is the new capital. Clever how they named it, right? And, and it's a beautiful bike path, paved, beautiful trees fall. It was gorgeous. It was an easy 50 mile ride. It was flat, which was very important. Now, the only problem with it was, is we ended up in Richmond. It was, it was dark. And so the one thing I wanted to see in Richmond, I wasn't able to do. So I want to go back one day because I want to go to what is now known as uh, St. John's Church. But back in the day, it was known as either the old church or the new church or the church on the hill. And the reason why I wanted to go to, to St. John's Church is because I am an American history buff. I love American history. I love political science. And at the St. John's Church, American history and political science met together. And really, one of the most dramatic events in American history happened there. In fact, I will argue that at the St. John's Church on, on March 25th, 17, 1775, on March 23rd, 1775, the um, American history and the course of the history was changed. 
You see, because at that time there was a meeting on that day in that church, and there was a meeting of, of the colonists and the leaders of the community, and there was the, they had come to an impasse about what to do. March 23rd, 1775, would they, uh, would they try to find some sort of negotiation to go with a peaceful coexistence with the British government, or would they mobilize and prepare for military action? And in the middle of this discussion, for those of you who are history people, those of you who love American history, those of you who are political junkies, you already know what's coming. In the middle of this discussion, a 38-year-old wealthy lawyer with six children stood up, and he gave this impassioned speech. And you should read the entire speech. Unfortunately, the only part that people remember is at the end, and this is what the speech said. Do we have it? Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God. Next. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me... It is a speech we learned in seventh grade. And, it is a, and, and at that moment, that 38-year wealthy lawyer with six children didn't care anymore what would happen to him. By giving that speech, by making that stand, by, by making that proclamation, Patrick Henry laid everything on the line. There was, no, there was no gray in his area. It was black, it was white. There was no wishy-washiness, there was no political correctness. He stated what he believed needed to be done. And at that moment, the leadership decided to mobilize. And if you know your history, eventually the colonies were free. And the United States of America was formed. And there are historians who say it began when Patrick Henry stood up and said, I don't know what you guys are going to choose, but as for me, this is a choice I'm making. What I like to say, that was Patrick Henry's um, Shechem moment. Now, for many of us, Shechem has no real meaning. It no longer exists. It's a town that at one time was a flourishing city between two mountains. It was on a major trade route. But in the people of the Hebrew people's mind, in the Hebrew people's story, this was as important, if not more important, than Richmond, Virginia. Because this is the place where... Abraham was given the promise that his descendants would one day enter into this promised land. And when hearing that promise, Abraham built an altar. Years later, Jacob had an encounter there, so much so that he took the idols that his wife had brought into their household and he buried them at Shechem and he built an altar there. Moses gathered their people gathered his people there before they entered into the promised land to go over one more time what would happen, where they would go, what they would encounter at Shechem. And this morning, the story I want to pick up is when Joshua, the man who was appointed to follow Moses, gathered the people one last time at Shechem. Now, what we have to understand, the people had already entered into the promised land but things were beginning to go south. They were beginning not to go well. And Joshua needed to make 
a point. So he gathered the leaders in Shechem and he began this speech. If you have your Bibles open in Joshua chapter 24, we're gonna kinda skip around, so, um, so just kinda stay with me. If you don't have your Bible, uh, begin the new year by bringing your Bible or by looking at the screen behind me. This is where it begins. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem, and he summoned the elders, the heads of judges, the officers of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. What Joshua did here is he took the best and the brightest, he took the leaders, he took the ones who were well-respected, he gathered them all together in this holy place, a place where the Hebrew people knew that every decision that was most important to the Hebrew people somehow had its roots in Shechem. And he gathered them there, and he began to, to, to talk about not just the future, but he talked about the past. And he went through and he reminded the people of, of Israel, the Hebrew people, who were already in the promised land. He reminded them of all that God had done for them. He reminded, how faith, he reminded them how faithful God really has been. And then he, he says, he begins to talk about not just the past, but he begins to talk about what the people had to do starting now. So we're going to flip over to verse 14. So if you have your Bibles, look at verse 14. This is underlinable. Now, therefore, revere the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your ancestors served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Now, when you read this, you, you start getting the sense that something had gone wrong. These leaders, these, these um, role models, the people, the, the best, the brightest, they had begun... They were still worshiping Yahweh. But you get the sense when you read Joshua 24 that they had begun drifting away. They had begun worshiping other gods. Gods of uh, the Amorites, gods of the, of the land that were there. And, and Joshua, Joshua began to get worried about this. Because if these, the best and the brightest were drifting, what was going on with the regular folk? If these were the role models and this is the example they were setting, what was happening with the, with the families, with the children, with those people? So then he does this in verse 15. Now if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the God of your ancestor served in the region beyond the river or the gods of Amorites in whose land you are living. So he lays it on the line. He says, look, I don't care how you choose. You can, you can do eeny, meeny, miny, moe. You can flip a coin. You can do uh, one potato, two potato, three potato. I don't care. But stop trying to play both sides of the fence. Choose one God and worship that one, whether it's this God's or that God with me? And then in one of the most famous lines of Hebrew scripture, Joshua lays it out what his choice is. And he says very clearly, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now I imagine that um, many of us, many of you have, have that on a cute little plaque, right? 
oh, maybe embroidered on something and framed. Um, if I was to go to your house, how many have that hanging up somewhere in your house, on your desk somewhere, right? A lot of us do. It's great. It's placky. It's cute. But it is not cute. It is not um, warm and fuzzy. We have made it that. It is every bit, if not more powerful, more risky, more costly than what Patrick Henry did when he stood up and said, give me liberty or give me death, because Joshua laid it on the line. He says, I don't care what you people do. I don't care which God you choose. But as for me and my house, I am worshiping the God of Yahweh. I'm worshiping my God. I'm worshiping the God who brought us here, the God of the covenant. And that is what we do. And then Joshua did the oddest thing, right? If you read the rest of the chapter. If I was Joshua at this point, right? Or if I was God, um, I would have brought thunder, lightning, fire, smoke, big voice, something. Steven Spielbergish, right? Something huge, right? But what does Joshua do? If you read the rest of it, this is what he does. This is so boring. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made statues and ordinances for them at Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God, took a large stone, set it up there under the oak of the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to the people, see this stone? This should be the witness against us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord that he spoke to us. Therefore, it should be a witness against you if you deal falsely with your God. So Joshua sent the people away to their own home, to their own inheritance, to their own land. I mean, come on. I mean, Joshua just stood up and said, give me liberty, give me death, right? Choose this day, I choose God. And then he just says, okay, we're gonna put a stone here and you guys go home. Good luck. And it took me a while to figure it out. See, Joshua's smarter than me, a lot smarter than me. Because he didn't want to do thunder or lightning or fire or smoke or big booming voices or splitting the Red Sea or any of that. That's not where he was. Because what Joshua knew is that the choice that they made could not be just a choice based on theatrics. Could not be a choice based on how much smoke, how much rumbling, how frightening they were. Because they were going to go back to their homes, to the boring Monday life of every single day, to the cooking, to the cleaning, to the working, to the nagging, to all of that stuff. And they were going to have to make that decision of whom they were going to serve, not just one time standing at Shechem, But they're going to have to make it in the morning. They're going to have to make it in the mid-morning, in the afternoon, at lunch, at dinner, before they go to bed. And so he said, this is just your choice. Go home, make the choice, because it's between you, your family, and God. And that's that's kind of what people do. I mean, it's what churches do. I mean, the United Methodist Church or the Methodist Episcopal Church or the Methodist Church, however, which one you want to go with, you know, for a couple hundred years now, we've been doing this. On the first Sunday of the year, we have what we call this covenant service where we renew our commitment to God. And there's no thunder, there's no lightning, there's no fire, there's no smoke, but it's not just a one-time thing. And it's not making the commitment that is the hard part. All of us can stand up and recite the John Wesley prayer. That it's easy. It's up on the screen. It's in your bulletin. You don't have to even work. Just there. It's what happens after you make the commitment. When you leave here is when it matters. 
Because if you say, I choose my God, I choose Yahweh, I choose that God, then it changes everything about you. Everything. There is nothing about you that can be the same. You see, because there has to be something different. Because when we choose to follow God, right, it's different than the rest of the world. It's not the same. There better be something different about the way you live, the way you act, the way you speak, the way you love, the way you offer grace, the way you offer hope, the way you give peace. Because we, it, it, we're different. In the world that is greedy for power, for status, for fame, what you and I do in a moment, when Barbara leads it, we choose a Lord who emptied himself, took the form of a servant, and then he taught us that the first shall be last and the last shall be first and all that stuff that makes no sense. But that's how you're to live. See, in a world that encourages us to be selfish, to worry about us, to talk about us, to be worried about what happens to us, when we choose God, we choose a Lord who calls us to reach out to others in his name. And here's the kicker. He reminds us that whatever we do to one of his or for one of his children, even to the least of these, we actually do it to him. Remember that one? That's different than the world. When we say, I'm going to, uh, as for me in my house, as for me, I choose to follow God in a world that wants to build walls and be exclusive, to keep people on the margins, to keep people on the sidelines for all sorts of reasons, we choose to follow a God who breaks down walls, enlarges a circle, and includes all of us. We choose to follow the God that Paul wrote about. That in him there is no Jew or Greek, free or slave, rich or poor. There's no Democrat or Republican, conservative or liberal. There's no Mets fan or Astros fan. There's just children that he loved that belong to him. That's the God we say we choose. You see, when we choose, when we say, as for me and my house, we will follow the Lord. In a world that is filled with despair and anxiety and fear, we choose the God of the resurrection, who gives hope, who gives peace, who gives life. And so that everyone we run into gets a taste of that life, that peace, that hope through the way we live, the way we speak, the way we act. That's what we do. So in a few moments when Barbara uh, stands you up and you recite the Wesley Covenant prayer, that's what you're doing. And reciting the prayer is easy. <clears throat> Living it out every day, oh, that's when it gets that's what we're called to do. You, me, <clears throat> people over that way, people at 8 o'clock.
Put me to what thou wilt. Let me be employed for thee and laid aside by thee. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. Saying the words. Making a stand. And saying, give me liberty, give me death. That's everything. Standing at Shechem and saying, as for me and my house, that's everything. Standing up and saying, I will follow that God. That's risky. That's costly. That's hard. But that's what this whole thing's about. And so in a few moments, you're going to go home. You're going to have lunch, you're going to turn on the Saints game or whatever, and you're going to, um, you're going to have to make a decision. Because this isn't just your Shechem. Your Shechem's out there. In your home, in your workplace, in your school. As for me and my house, we're going to serve God. For that's the gospel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, give you peace both now and forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit go from this place. And may the peace and the love and the grace of God go with you. And may you know... May you remember, may you never forget that there is nothing you can do, nothing, that will ever make God love you less. Because when God sees us, he doesn't see the mistakes that we make. He simply says, wow, you're nothing but the best of the best of the best. And can you imagine for just a moment what your day might be like if you lived it believing that? I think you'd have a good day.